How's that? So Luke chapter 3 is where we're at this morning. And uh, we are actually going to begin reading in verse 1. And we're going to look at uh, several verses this morning, but I want to set the context uh, for you. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Arturia, and Trancotus and Licinius, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough way smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God could raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Let's pray. Father, we ask again this morning as we come into this place, this first Sunday of the new year, that you will not only grant us understanding and inspiration, but transformation for having been here this morning. And Father, we'll thank you for it all. In Christ's name, amen. Blind spots. We all have, have some in our car, and likely they've gotten you in trouble before. If you've ever been behind a truck, sometimes you'll see the trucks will say, if you can't see my mirrors, what? We can't, I can't see you. And we've had some scary moments when we have either been in the blind spot or we have, we've had a blind spot and almost run somebody else off the road. Many years ago when Pam and I were, were dating, I remember that we were coming up to a, uh, they picked her up in Delray, we were coming up Federal Highway up just a little uh, north of Hillsborough Boulevard and right where the Federal Highway turns, I had a blind spot and as soon as I went to to go over, I heard a car screeching behind me, and I had run this guy. It, 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 me, you know me, I got to do it right. It wasn't just a normal car; it was a classic Camaro that I ran off the off the road, and the guy got hit, and I got ticketed, and all that. But every, everything we wound up talking to him, and I took him home, and all that kind of stuff. But the blind spot caused me to get into an accident. Blind spots will do that in your vehicles. But blind spots in life are even worse than that. We all have blind spots in our lives. And most likely, the blind spots are the things that people have repeatedly told you about that you don't listen to. That you either deny or you say, no, that never happens, or no, I'm not like that at all. But the blind spots can get us in trouble. They can get us in trouble in, at work. You know, maybe if you have a temper and you're always chewing at the boss, or maybe you're running, running your mouth too much, and, and you, wonder why, you wonder why you've been fired like 15 times, and you think, gee, it's, it's no longer the company, it may be you. I mean, after a few times. Or maybe there's a blind spots in relationships, and you've been in relationship after relationship after relationship, and your partner keeps telling you the same thing, but you go, no, it can't possibly be me. 
on and on it goes. The thing is, is we all have blind spots no matter, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are. And what that means is, is that we wind up lacking this thing called self-awareness. Self-awareness has suddenly become very, very popular. Now I know when I start to talk about self-awareness, people are going to be thinking, wait a minute, are we going like some of these positive preacher, positive mentality, you know, PMA sort of thing? And the answer is no, but this, this is a real part of who we're supposed to be. But self-awareness is now uh, under this sort of study of what we call emotional intelligence. You know, people, uh, they're saying that emotional intelligence is more important than IQ. EQ is more important than IQ. But I have to tell you that self-awareness is one of those areas that we all uh, often get ourselves into trouble. Somebody has defined self-awareness as this, the conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. Notice the word, the conscious the conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, or desires. See, so often we go through life unconsciously, don't we? Have you ever, and don't admit it, I'll, I'll admit this, but have you ever like, you've been driving and suddenly you got to the place where you're at and you were like, wait a minute, I don't remember leaving? I'm not talking about when you've had anything to drink. I'm talking about when it's, you know, you're just driving along. Or have you ever, have you ever like, uh, you've walked into a room and you, you walked in to get something? And you forgot, and you, I don't know what you do what I do, but I go back to the place where I came again. And sometimes it takes a few trips now. The older that I get, it's a few more trips, you know, back and forth, trying to, trying to remember. Because we do so many things unconscious in our lives. Sometimes we do our jobs unconscious because we think we're just so good at it. We've got other things that are running through our head when we're typing or when we're talking on the phone. We're multitasking because we're doing things unconsciously. But the problem is we drive that unconsciousness into relationships and we are in a relationship, but we're totally unconscious about what's going on around us. We're not conscious, we're unconscious. And we go through life in that way. And it's a horrible place to be. That, that sort of unconsciousness could get us into a lot of trouble. So I think self-awareness is a real important topic to talk about during this time of year. And as we are now pushing into 2018, our first Sunday, by the way, school starts tomorrow. So make sure that you're not practicing unconscious driving tomorrow especially. Because you thought the roads were busy, they're going to be really busy now. Tomorrow, tomorrow will be it. But we have to get into this, this self-awareness thing. Now it's interesting because I think one of the best examples of learning self-awareness is this guy, John the Baptist. Now let me give you a little bit of the background as to what has happened. We, of course, met John earlier, if you were here around Christmas. We know that John, uh, the baptizer, John was, uh, was the cousin of Jesus. And we, we know the story behind him. And we know what God called him to do. But it's interesting what happens in Luke's recording. It's actually recorded in two other Gospels. But in Luke gives us some details that actually show us just how self-aware John the Baptist was. And what we can learn from that. So we're going to dig in to this story. I read you the beginning part. So I want you to, I want you to jump down a little bit to where, uh, back down to about verse 7. So, so John is, and, and what you see is, you know, you, you, you see the quotes from the Old Testament. And then in verse 7, it says, John says to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers. Now, that's, first of all, John was not a positive preacher. John was a name caller. 
you know. Now, by the way, if you, if you compare this with the other Gospels, the brood of vipers that he was talking to, were, we'll find out were actually the Pharisees. So John was consistent with Jesus. Because remember, when you look at what Jesus did, when people came to him and they were hurting, or they had blown it, or they had really messed up bad, when they came to Jesus, he was very embracing of them. The only people that Jesus was hard on were the Pharisees, the religious leaders who thought they had their act together. So what does John do? John starts out as a forerunner and says, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Now notice what he says. You produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, it doesn't matter whether Abraham is your father. Because God could raise up children for Abraham out of these stones. And then he says to them, Look guys, the axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Ouch. It, it, it sounds like he's saying, Hey, look, you guys... You Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you people that are preying on everybody else and, you're, and you're, you're, you're biting them and they're injecting them with your poison, guess what? The, you may think you're a tree, but the axe is on its way to cut that tree down. You've got big problems coming. And everything is going to be stirred up. Now, obviously, when that kind of thing happens... You've got, a, you've got a whole crowd of people that are there that are, that are sort of broken up into different, different groups. So you've got, you'll see in just a moment, there's tax collectors there. There's the normal crowd. There's the Pharisees. So they see John the Baptist coming after the Pharisees. And so notice what the next question is of, of some of these Pharisees. Verse 10. Look, the, the idea is you're going to be judged. It's what he says to them. Notice what the question is. What do we do then? You ever notice that, and that's the good response, when somebody points something out to you who has no agenda and they really care about what they're saying and, and they say to you, you're in trouble. There's a problem. You need to take a look at this. And the first response is, what should we do then, verse 10, the crowd asked. Wow. What now? Now notice what John says. I'm thinking that John is going to say, you need to get your act together and you need to join the synagogue and you need to start in a small group and you need to start singing and worshiping and you need to read the, read the Old Testament every day and you need to make sure that you are, are, are listening to all the music from the tabernacle that, and, and from the temple. You've got to make sure that you're doing all of these things. Nope. He says this. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. Whoa, whoa. Oh, time out. But isn't it more spiritual than that? I mean, John, you're a voice crying in the wilderness. This guy ate, you know, wild locust and honey, and he was living out. You, know, you ever been around somebody that lives out in the wilderness? They don't take showers that often. Probably the only time he got a shower is when he was going down in the water and baptizing people, which may have been why they actually dunked in that day. You know, maybe that was where they got a bath, too. I don't know. But here was John, he, he's living out here, and these people are actually coming to him, and we'll get more to that in, in, in just a moment. And he says to them, look, if you've got more food that is necessary, share it with somebody that doesn't. If you have more coats than you necessarily need, then you need to give that to somebody else. And notice what happens next. So he tells that to the crowd. Now, I love verse 12, because remember the two groups that had real trouble with this Jesus thing were the Pharisees and the tax collectors. 
verse 12, even the tax collectors came to be baptized, and here's what they said to John, teacher. What should we do? Ooh. Oh, you want to know what you should do? I think you know what you should do, but let me tell you what you should do. Don't recollect any more than you were required to. Oh, now, wait a minute. Can't I just go give somebody a coat? Can't I just go give them extra food? Why can't I? Because I've been making money. Remember, the tax collectors would go, would go, you know, two for me, one for you. Three for me, two for you. Four for me, one for you. They were always collecting more money. That's why everybody hated them. Because they knew they were stealing. They couldn't do anything about it. They were profiting from everybody else's work. And they weren't having to do anything about it. So they said, all right, tax collector's like, okay, all right, well, teacher, um, this is good. Uh, we believe you. So what should we do? And he goes, look, don't collect more than you should. Oh, man. Just stir everything up. So the soldiers, notice this. You've got a normal crowd. You've got Pharisees. You've got tax collectors, and you've got soldiers, and they said, okay, well, how about us? What should we do, teacher? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Oh, man. Because the soldiers, that's what they would do to people. We, we had this when we were down in a particular country uh, a few years ago, um, and we were told when we rented the car that what that, that what would happen is, is is that if the police pulled us over that if we got a ticket it would be they would try to get six hundred dollars from us American money six hundred dollars now those of you that know me know that I drive under grace for the uninformed that means I speed sometimes I've got a little bit of a lead foot but I like to I like to spiritualize a little bit and call it driving under grace and so we were, we were in this particular country, and we had made it all week. Never had a problem. We were on our way to the airport, and all of a sudden, there is the policia. And they stop, and Pam goes, uh-oh. And so, of course, in this particular country, they speak Spanish and English. And we know that, especially all of the officials, you know, because of a vacation spot that it is and all of that. So he starts to fake like he can't speak English, and he tells me that I'm speeding, and that he says the ticket is $600. But you give me 200 and no ticket. Now the car rental place said, tell them, no, you're not giving them any money at all, and that we, the car rental agency, will handle it, and we will deal with it. Well, you know, it's real easy when you're sitting at the car dealership where they're telling you that, but when the policia is looking at you, because I'm thinking, I'm going to be in this third world country jail, buried somewhere, and my wife's going to leave, and everybody's going to forget I was there, and, you know, it'll be one of these things where I had, like, the president was going to have to send the seals in to get me. I mean, I was, you know, my mind was going all over the place. So, so finally, when, when all of this was said and done, we kept going back and forth, and I finally, I finally said to him, Pam says, no, no, we're, we're not paying that. We'll pay through the rental car. And the guy looks at me and I said, we're not, we're not paying you $200. We'll pay. You want a ticket for $600? Yes. So all of a sudden he leaves and I thought, uh-oh, I'm going to get arrested now. I said, you can see this coming. And I go back and I see, I see them talking, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes up to me and he says, uh, are you leaving the country today? Yes. He goes, you're free to go. And I went, oh. 
Because what they do is they use their authority to extort money from unsuspecting people. And so John says to the military people, stop it. Be content. You signed up for the job. Be content with the pay that you're getting and be done with it. Now, after all of this, because John's answering them with such wisdom, notice here it comes, here it comes. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And we've talked about this before, but these people are th saying, okay, he's got to be the guy. With what he's saying, he's answering these people with such wisdom. And so they're thinking this, and John answered them all and says, look, I'm out here baptizing you with water, but one who's more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then he, then he focuses on Jesus, and he said, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Now, just imagine that. They're starting to wonder, okay, this is the guy. This is him. He's the Messiah. And John's like, now notice what John says. You talk about self-awareness. You talk about a focus on mission. You talk about knowing his strengths and knowing his weaknesses. You talk about a guy that is authentic and is not trying to fake it. They're saying, John, are you, are you possibly the Messiah? And John said, nothing Messiah-like about me. In fact, the guy that's coming, I'm not worthy to even unloose his sandals to wash his feet. Like, I, I can't even, I'm not even, not only i got to wash his feet, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to unloose his sandals. Could you imagine a person saying, I'm not worthy? Usually we try to fake it. We try to, we try to look more powerful than the next person. We try to be somebody that we're not. We put on all of these images. And if you don't think that we've done that for years and now it has just been ramped up through Instagram, it's crazy. Because you could put filters on and make yourself look so much younger. The problem is, is that you're going to wind up meeting these people one day and they're going to go, huh? What happened? We're always trying to put up these airs about who we want to be instead of being who we are. John knew who he was. And even though there was this demand to make him more than he was, to say, no, John, come over here. You could be the Messiah. You're kind of Messiah-like. Even We could even, I bet you there are people like, hey, we can even get something going for a little while here until the real Messiah gets here. Maybe we can make people think this and we can get a little bit, I mean, they could have done this whole thing and tried to pull it off for a while. But John says, no, he's coming. He's, he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to separate what's real from what's not. What's useful from what's not going to be useful. And you're going to watch it all happen. And then it says, John continued to do what? With many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. That he's coming. Wow. I would submit to you that John is an absolute study, example of self-awareness. You think about it for a moment. He was well aware consciously of his character. It, I mean, think of, you know, you, when you think about who John was reaching for a moment, I just want to talk about this for a second. 
I know that churches are trying to figure out how do we reach millennials? How do we reach millennials? Do we, do we change our this? Do we do this? Do we do that? How do we reach millennials? And really what people are finding now that it's the same thing that you reach out to everybody else. It's authenticity. It's being who you are and not trying to be somebody that you're not. When you try to put on a show all the time and then everybody looks behind it and they suddenly pull back the curtain and there's Oz going, <laughs> it's not real. Everybody wonders why, not going to talk, talk politics on both sides, how somebody who, who, like Donald Trump, was able to speak to the people in a practical way and people were flocking to him. And the same thing happened on the other side with Bernie Sanders. Do you know how many millennials were going after this guy that was in his late 70s? And he was like hunched over and he's talking. And people were like, yeah! And I thought, wow! It's because he believed in what he was saying. Whether you agree with him or not, it was authentic. And so here was John. You've got, notice the crowd that was there. You've got Pharisees, the religious elite. They didn't hang out with people like John who hung out in the wilderness. They're not going to go hang out with people that are eating locusts and survive on locusts and wild honey in the wilderness. But they were there, and the soldiers were there, and the, the crowd of people were there, and, and the tax collectors, really? They're, and they're all listening to him because John knew who he was, knew who he wasn't, and was able to just communicate the message, and that was it. And his authenticity attracted people to him. It was all about him being self-aware of who he was and who he wasn't of what his strengths were and what his weaknesses were. Of who he was. And by, and by you, know, you know what's interesting about this? I want you to think about this. You can write this one down. That when you know, you can more easily say no. You think, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to say no. But see, when you know who you are, when you know what you're supposed to be doing, when you know where you're going, when you know what your gifts and your talents and your abilities are, and you know what your weaknesses are, when somebody comes to you and it doesn't fit in with it, who you are, with your mission, with your values, with your character, you can say, no. See, John was able to say, no, it's not me. Because he knew. I'm not going to do that because I know who I am. Self-awareness, an interesting concept. And you, you, you think about when you're self-aware, it's not only going to help you say no, but it's also going to help you, when you think about it, it's also going to help you let go of what you're holding on to. Think about this past year. What are you holding on to? Not just this past year, but what are you holding on to in your life that you're regretting, that you can't let go, that what your mama or your dad, or it's amazing how long we can, we can live in that. When we're 80 years old, we can remember something that our parents told us, and we're still living out what they told us because we don't know who we are. So what do we learn from this? How do we develop this self-awareness, and how does it impact us? We're going to put you back. Now, don't take this too far because I'm using it for you to remember. We're going to put you back with God at the head, but here on this earth, so that you're going to be the CEO of your life to create self-awareness. So here are the three things, C, E, and O. I'm going to give them to you, and we've already learned them from John, but I'm going to point them back out. Number one, the C is contentment. We wind up wanting other things because we see what somebody else has, and we're not content with where we are. What did John say? to the soldiers. Be content with your pay. 
Stop trying to exhort. Stop trying to change. Stop trying to manipulate. Stop, try, stop trying to do all of this other stuff and make sure that you are content with where you are. We don't understand contentment anymore. Contentment doesn't mean that I don't have goals. Contentment doesn't mean that I don't want to grow. Contentment doesn't mean that I'm just happy in the situation. But we have to bloom where we're planted. And notice what he says. Because we're always trying to get to somewhere else. When we're, in, we're doing one thing, we're trying to think, what's the next big thing? What's my next move? Where am I going? And John says to them, no, you want to know what to do? Now that you've repented, now that you're going to change, now that you've been baptized, soldiers, I want you to go back and be a soldier, but this time be a good soldier. Tax collectors, I want you to go back and I want you to be the best tax collector that you could be. This time, make sure that you're collecting all that you should, but no more. Uh, you think about what he said. All, he didn't tell anyone, okay, no, stop being that. I want you to now jump in, and I want you to go over here and develop another group like me, and you can go be a voice crying in the wilderness too. No, he says, go back and be who you are and be the best that you can be right where you're at. Be content because God has put you there and make sure that you're doing it right. We're not content anymore, which means we're not grateful. We're not grateful for where we are at this moment. Now, I know sometimes it's hard because there are a lot of things that are going on that we may not be able to be grateful for. But man, I'm, I'm grateful every day that I got up, that I have another opportunity to make a difference. I'm, you know, I, I had another funeral last night for someone. And now, they're obviously not grateful at that moment. There's no way you can be. But I'm grateful that I was able to be there to help them at that difficult moment. And, and, I, and I have this gratitude every single day that I have that privilege and that honor to be able to be there at that moment. I'm, I'm content with that. And it could be a crowd of two, or it could be a crowd of, of a thousand. Makes no difference to me. We have to be, if we're going to be really self-aware, contentment and gratitude has got to be that thing that drives us. So that's, that's the C. The next thing that's actually going to help us be aware is to be aware of other people. And the E is empathy. Learning to look at things from other people's perspectives. Let me tell you what, I'm good at this when it comes to speaking with an audience, but I'm not so good at it if I get under stress and somebody wants something from me, I'm like, I only care about me. I don't know whether you do that, but I, I'm not really looking at it from the other person's perspective at that point. And yet, we have to get inside their skin and try to know how they're feeling and how they're thinking. And we have to do that in relationships when we're communicating with other people. And it gets us outside of ourselves, which then makes us more aware of who we are. It works, it's, it's a, a weird thing. When we get outside and see others from other people's perspective more clearly, we can then see ourselves more clearly. So developing empathy, and we're never too old or too young to begin to do that. So that's the C, that's the E, and the O, real simple, openness. Be open, be authentic, be open about your strengths and your weaknesses. The older that I get, you know, I, I knew when I was younger, they used to, used to talk about trying to figure out everything that you were weak in and shore up the weaknesses. That's good if you're building a fence or you're building a wall or you're doing other things. But when it comes to your character, by the, you get to a certain age, you finally go, I got to forget about the weaknesses and I got to play to my strengths. What are your strengths? What are the unique gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you. Be content with those and play to those things because that's what he wants to use. That's why John said to them, you're a soldier, go soldier. You're a tax collector, go collect taxes. 
You got you got two you've got you know two cloaks. Give give one whatever it is that you could do where you're at. Do it, but be open, be authentic, because that is what's going to make the difference in people's lives. That's what was so cool about Jesus. What was so cool about John? What you saw were, is what you got. And they didn't try to put on ears, didn't try to be anybody else. And just by being open and being honest and being authentic, you're going to tick people off. You don't have you're not going to have to work at it. Because they're either going to like you or they're not going to like you. And it's going to have to be okay with you either way. That's self-awareness. How do you do it? Can you take assessments and things? Absolutely. But you know the best thing to do? I'll go back to the driving illustration. Cooper City in their illustrious wisdom out in front of my development decided to make the road two lanes on each side. So in order to get across to make a left to get out to Griffin Road from my development, you actually have to go across the two lanes of traffic and there's no light. And people are flying up Knob Hill and Palm. And it's like, so sometimes you have to go down and around. But as soon as I, as soon as I pull out this way, I'm in the middle. And guess what I have here? A blind spot. Very dangerous, that blind spot. You know what's helpful? When somebody else is in the car and I can say, am I safe to go? Yes. I get a little bit more nervous about it when I'm alone. See, the, the key to dealing with a blind spot when you're driving is to have somebody else with you. The key to becoming more self-aware in 2018 is to do what God meant for all of us to do. And that is to have people in our lives who are going to tell us the truth. We may not like it. We may argue with it. When my wife tells me something, at first I argue about it. And about a few hours later, then I go, Ooh, you're right. And the, the, those hours are getting less and less. It used to be days. Now it's getting down to hours because I'm finally realizing after 30 plus years that she's probably right. We need people in our lives. And if you have somebody that loves you, that is close to you, that is saying, hey, this may be a little bit of a challenge, listen up. Because it may be a blind spot. And if you're ever going to accomplish all that God wants you to be, or accomplish what he wants you to accomplish, and be all that he wants you to be, it's going to take self-awareness. Let John the Baptist be our guide. Let's pray.